So Jesus, we are here today, not out of fear, but because you've done great works and we are your children. We long to hear from you. Speak to us. And everyone said? You can be seated. Thank you. Good morning. Everybody in the Christmas season? Who here does not yet have their Christmas tree up? That's unfortunate. The year was 1980. Some of you don't remember that because you were, you had, for many different reasons. But the year was 1980. It was at Lake Placid, the height of the Cold War, and it was the Winter Olympics at Lake Placid. You guys remember these Winter Olympics? The Russian team, of ho the hockey team, hockey was the big sport in the Olympics. The Russian team had won five of the last six gold medals, and they had held on to the gold medal for 16 years. They were the overwhelming favorite to win the gold medal again, and the Russian team was built of professional players with lots of international experience. The American team was built of amateurs. They were the youngest team in U.S. national team history and in the entire tournament. These were going to be American boys playing Russian men. Russia had gone undefeated through their stage. America had scraped through, so even a draw. And the day before the big match between the American boys and the Russian men, Dave Anderson in the New York Times wrote this. Unless the ice melts or unless the United States team performs a miracle, the Russians are expected to easily win the Olympic gold medal for the sixth time in the last seven years, seven tournaments. And so, on February 22nd, the United States amateurs lined up across from the Russian champions. You guys know what happened next, don't you? Some of you. Some of you have no idea. This is like ancient history to you. You're going to be very surprised. You're going to be shocked, actually. It's going to be very inspiring for you. Well, we're going to pick it up in the last minute. Al Michaels, in his 30s at this point, was giving play-by-play, -play, and only because he was the only person on the team who had given play-by-play -play on hockey before. So Al Michaels, not famous, is giving play-by-play. -play. We pick up with one minute left, and the U.S. national team is up four to three on the Russian team. Let's watch this. Isn't that awesome? And we love to see an underdog win, especially when we, I mean, uh, they're not the, the Russian national team in here, especially when we are the underdog. It's so fun. It, it's amazing. In fact, what we, what we think and what we say is, I can't believe that just happened. Have you ever had any of these, I can't believe it, that just happened in your life? You had those moments, miraculous moments. You ever been witness to a miracle, a part of a miracle? Ever seen something you couldn't believe, the impossible? Witness something divine that there's no explanation for? Many of you have been a part of these moments. You've told us about it. And, and truly, in my experience, there's nothing more intriguing and fun than when something happens and there's just no explanation other than, than God. It's like there's this, in, in this room right now, God's glory will just shine upon me. Look at this. <laughs> We've designed it perfectly that I speak right here, and it's just like the Shekinah glory just shines out. I just noticed that. I like whatever effect that is, I want it to follow me around next, next Sunday. I'm sorry. I couldn't help it. You know, there's this old word called re revival, and it usually comes when someone slaps the table. Revival! And so I don't know what the word revival conjures up in you, but revival, all it means is a miraculous Jesus movement. That's what revival means, miraculous Jesus movement, a miracle of spiritual activity upon a people. 
See, a Jesus movement is when God begins to move and bless in a fresh way, in a powerful way, and the people begin to respond in a fresh way and a powerful way. Jesus movements miraculously happen. I've been a part of a Jesus movement. Like, without explanation, I've seen things happen that I, I could not describe. I saw God move upon a, a whole church of people, a whole city. I've been there in baptisms. We had open baptisms one time, and, and it, that means that anybody can be baptized. You come up and we'll talk to you, and we'll baptize you in your street clothes, and we're closing down the service because we have another one to go, and we have to end, and as we're closing it down, this young gentleman from the back is running to the front saying, no, one more, one more, and we've just been baptizing over and over, and the floors are soaking wet, and life is just being transformed. I've seen a church change not only a community, but an area code and a zip code. And there's no explanation for it. I've seen um, enemies weep in each other's arms, divorced couples reunited, sicknesses healed. I've seen people come forward with their drug paraphernalia or whatever their addict, addiction paraphernalia would be and they, and they lay it at the front and give their life to Jesus and they drop it and they don't ever pick it up again. I mean, miraculous movements of God that there's no explanation. And the maddening part about it when I saw all these things happen was a part of a movement is there was no explanation for it in my human experience. Like there was no secret sauce that the church was mixing up. There was no industry secrets that we could say, well, this is what happened. If there was, I'd be rich. I'd have a secret, but there's no secret. It, it was amazing to see God move. We prayed God moved. It was amazing to see it. It's so fun to be part of a Jesus movement. And Orchard, I want to remind us, there's, there's nothing, we want nothing more at this place than to see a Jesus movement happen here. Starting with Lead Pastor Charlie and working down through our staff and our elders, we do not want to keep doing what we've always been doing. We want something more. We want to see salvation in the hearts of people far from God. We want to see baptisms for those who've been saved for decades and those who've been saved for minutes. We want to see sicknesses healed. We want to see redemption of past sins and wounds. We want to see reconciliation of broken relationships, freedom from addiction and vices, peace and power where there used to be anxiety and insecurity. See, we don't want to be a religious monument, a building marking a holy place, we want to be a spiritual movement, a people empowered to make a difference. We don't want to be a monument, we want to be a movement. And that's a huge shift, do you see that? Not a church monument, a people movement, a movement of Jesus. I don't know if you know this, Orchard, I'm going to brag on this a little bit. Is that okay with you? Thanks, well. Orchard, we're good at church. Now you might not know this, but we're pretty good at church. You know, like we, we have a huge room. We have some lights and we have a sound system. We have a talented, very talented staff. We have wise and dedicated elders. We have incredible musicians and vocalists. We have creative and dedicated people working with your kids right now so that we can have the freedom to sit down here without a squirming three-year-old. Like we have, this, this we do church pretty well. We have a gathering center that has food and football and fellowship. Do you know what the easiest, most obvious thing for us to do would be nothing nothing that's the easiest most obvious thing is for us to do absolutely nothing we're good just keep it up keep 
doing what we're doing. And we'll of course, fine-tune the music and the, and the volume and, the, and, and some of the lights and some tweaks here and there, the kids' ministry. But honestly, for the most part, why mess up a good thing, right? Let's just keep doing what we're doing. But there's one problem with this. Just one huge problem with keeping on doing what we're doing. And if you've been with us through the, through the Luke series the last two years, we noticed that Jesus, he would preach in the temple, but then he'd go out to the countryside where thousands of people would show up. They couldn't all fit in the temple. Jesus would go, he, he would go these places, he would preach to all, he would, there was room, he would make room for these people in his life, in his ministry. See, the one problem with keeping on doing what we've always been doing is the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus. The knowledge that through Jesus we have forgiveness of past sins, power in our present, and hope in the future. Other than that, we could keep doing what we're doing. But the good news of Jesus should compel us. How can we dare do the same thing and be status quo when the good news of Jesus is out there? See, we aren't compelled to change because there's bad consequences for us. We're compelled to change because of a glorious calling. Called to something greater. The knowledge that there are people that don't know him and don't have the peace, power, and hope should compel us to risk everything, individually and as a church. We want to be a church that takes risks for the sake of revival. We want to be a church that does great things for the sake of the gospel. We want to step out of complacency and step into calling. Shake off the faith that is passive and step into a faith that is powerful and on purpose. Stop letting fear tell our faith how to act properly. Stop letting our reputation decide what level of risk we're okay with. Stop letting our insecurity inform our identity. Because there's greater things. From the top down, we want to see one thing of the orchard, a Jesus movement within us individually, within this room, within our communities, within our neighborhoods, within our region, within the, within the zip codes. Why? The Bible is very clear on this. There are two things there are two things that will last eternally beyond this world. The word of God and the souls of people. The two things that will last eternally. And the gospel of Jesus has the power to save souls and change their entire destination and destiny. But I want to just clarify something. We don't just want to be a Jesus movement because of eternity someday. We want it because of now. Because the power of Jesus sets captives free now. It sets us free from abusive pasts now. From addictions now. From anxieties and the debilitating need to be affirmed by others. From our sins, from our failures. The gospel of Jesus changes now. And there's a lot of now of people that needs Jesus desperately. The gospel brings freedom for those bold enough to risk their life on it. It's not just fire insurance so that someday you get to go to heaven. It's that you become a fire of passion, set a flame here on earth to draw men and women to Jesus. 
John Wesley, one of my heroes in the faith, has two quotes on this. The, his first one is about his fear, his greatest fear for the church. And he says this, my fear is that our people will become content to live life without the fire, without the power, or the excitement, or the supernatural element that makes us great. And I think we've come to see in our cultures and maybe in our own lives that we have become kind of content without the supernatural fire and the element and the excitement of the good news of Jesus. His second quote, to combat this, in his own life he prayed this, God light me on fire with passion so that people will come to watch me burn. God, may my passion be so bright, may it be a light so bright that people will come to see it, and when they see it, they see you. Orchard, may we become a people who cease being content with a dry faith or passionless religious practices. As we've been talking, it's time for something new here. Did you know that? It's time for something new here. It's time for a new season, a fresh start. It's time to ask God for a fresh fire of passion in your own heart. Let us pray that he begins to move in power and let us begin to be a people who respond to him in obedience and boldness. That not only would he, be, would he move in power, but that we would respond in boldness. At the end of the day, What we want here is a move of God so powerful, so authentic, and so beautiful that none of us can take any credit for it at all. We would see people changed. Have you ever wondered what goes into a movement? Like people study movements, did you know this? They study what it takes to make a movement happen. And with the Jesus movement, you have this huge you know, X variable of God that, that injects it and changes everything. But we're gonna watch a video here. It's called the, the Anatomy of a Movement. And all I can do to describe this to you, he's just gonna, it's just two minutes long. He's gonna tell us about a movement. And it's funny, and some of you might be shocked, but if you've ever been to Mountain Fair, this will not shock you, okay? <laughs> if you're more of a Strawberry Days person, buckle up. You're about to see, you're about to see a little slice of Carbondale that not everybody gets to see. So let's play this Anatomy of a Movement. Wow. There you go. That's all we have to do, right? <laughs> you know, Jesus, he was our lone nut in a world that didn't understand what true love and true compassion was. As silly as that is, he came and he spoke something that people thought was just madness. And he loved and he acted in a way that they could not fathom. And people would try to kind of do it and they, they kind of did it awkwardly at first. But he has already blazed the trail for us. We get to be first followers. We get to join him in his joy. A movement happens when we join Jesus in what he is already doing best, loving God and loving people. We get in the groove and we begin to change and be more like him and a movement begins to take form and start moving. As funny as, is, as, funny as that is, there's some interesting points in there. Um, first of all, I know you're all asking, will I look that ridiculous if I follow Jesus? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, will a movement happen? Who gets the credit? All these things that he talked about in there. And then Charlie and I have been very open as we've talked about this movement. We've had some very open and authentic conversations about what it means. And some hard questions have come up. And my respect for Charlie has grown immensely as I've seen the heart of them. And one of the discussions we had, as you know, Charlie, you may or may not know this, Charlie has asked me to be the teaching pastor and do a lot of the teaching moving forward. And with that, I've had some questions for him. When he told me, I said, Charlie, are you, are you sure about this? 
There's, there's a lot of implications from this. And he said this, Daniel, as we grow and change, there'll be many who might not even know me. I get that. They'll know you, they'll know Cara, they'll know Micah, they'll know Stacy. But as I lead the movement off stage, people won't see me as much. So I said, are you, are you, what do you feel? Are you okay with that? And he replied, I would rather be a part of a movement of Jesus and be anonymous than be famous and keep doing church without anything great happening. I want to see a movement of Jesus. Yeah. He said, I want to see a movement of Jesus happen in this region and beyond more than I want anything else. Do you know how powerful it is when a lead pastor declares that that's what he wants? The culture changes. The culture changes. Suddenly, it's not about taking credit. It's about taking risks. Suddenly, we're on, we're on mission. We're moving. And it's upon Charlie's convictions that, that the staff, as we follow suit, and we're not caring who gets credit. It's a bold statement by Charlie, the one that's moving away from any fear and moving into faith. And God is starting a movement here in the heart of the orchard. There's, it's a new season here. And we're seeing some new things happen. We truly are. All across in, in some of our different ministries and growth groups and meetings and programs, we're seeing something new and fresh here because it's a new season. People are desiring God's move more than they're desiring authority, authority or title, reputation. People are beginning to desire God's move in this place more than maybe their anxiety or fear holds them back or sacrificing of their time in a way they never have before. And at the orchard, we're seeing that people are beginning to put God's kingdom first, his desires first. And it is inspiring. It's amazing to see the powerful things are beginning to, to happen as God begins this new season here for us. The Bible is full of people who, who have been where we are now. It's full of people who got in the way of the Jesus movement and never got to be a part of it. And it's full of people who, who were open to what God would have and they got to be a part of something amazing. They're just like us. The people in the Bible, they're not special. They made decisions just like us too. You'll see decisions based on fear and ambition and, and reputation, but also decisions based on faith, hope, and love. And every time a miraculous movement of Jesus happens in this book, it's because God moved in power and the people had faith greater than their fear and they responded to what he wanted. There truly is no catalysts without courage. And so I turn to um, Exodus 3. I'll just read it for you. You don't have to. You can, you can if you want, but I'm going to skip around on it. And God comes to Moses, and God is calling Moses to, to join him in this huge mo movement. Like, Moses, I'm going to go set an entire people group free. You, I want you to go stand in front of the most powerful man on the planet. And you can imagine uh, how Moses felt. There's all the social and political and, and religious implications. He was also terribly insecure. And read it in verse 10. God calls Moses to step up. And in, in verse 11, he says, I am nobody. Who am I? One translation says, I'm nobody. Who am I? You're asking me? In verse 12, God says this. I'll be with you. What do you mean, who are you? I'm, I'm gonna be with you. I'm God. I'll be with you. That's who you are. That's who we are. Well, all throughout the rest of chapter three and into chapter four, they just discuss and they discuss this. And in, in verse 10 of chapter four, um, Moses just says, I've never been a good speaker. I'm not eloquent. Neither before, even now talking to you, I'm just not a good speaker. And God says, who made your mouth? 
who, what? who made your mouth, man? And he, he, he goes even further. He says, I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. That's your biggest concern? I made it and I'll tell you what to say and I'll help you with it. And Moses' response, you know, he would say, oh, no, th- th- then my case is closed. And then fine. He says, please send someone else. <laughs> tell me that's not how it goes in our head. If you've ever been in a situation and you feel that prompt from God, maybe you see somebody hurting and you feel like, I should go do something. Or maybe you actually hear, I want you to go help this person. I want you to go say this to this person. Or whatever it is. And you go, uh, I'm a nobody. And then you, you realize he promises he'll go with us. Please send someone else. <laughs> There's a whole line of cars behind me. I'm sure someone in there is listening to you and has the guts to do it. <laughs> Please send someone else. And we've all been here, haven't we? Moses decides to take this risk. He says yes to the call of God. He valued faith more than safe. And you know what it did? He got to be in on one of the biggest movements in the Bible. He got to stand before the most powerful people on the planet and declare God. He led these people to freedom. It was amazing to see what Moses did. He he messed up along the way. Sure, we all do. He's human. But he said yes to following God, and he was a catalyst for change, for a movement. Well, he died. That's what happens. And in his spot, Joshua came along. And now Joshua's asked to lead. And Joshua has these shoes to fill, the shoes of a legend. Can you imagine this? So Moses passes on and God says, okay, Joshua, it's now you. I'm not Moses. <laughs> what, what is his feeling? It's immediately what we would feel. I can't do that. Please, send someone else. It seems to be a common theme. Not me. Send someone else. Well, so in Joshua, in Joshua 1, Well, in 1, one five six and verse 9, he says the same thing over and over. He says, be strong and courageous in verse 5. In verse 6, be strong and courageous. God is saying this to Joshua over and over. In verse 9, he says, be strong and courageous. Do not be discouraged, for I will be with you. I will never leave you, never forsake you. Three times, he said, right off the bat, be strong and courageous. Why does he say that? Because that's what Joshua needed. See, God asks us to trust him, which requires faith. He asks us to follow him, which requires courage. And then we all ask, well, what if I fail? Well, what if I mess it up? I don't know what to say. I've never been to school for that. I'll, I'll probably just say the wrong thing. What if they hate me? Or worse, what if they make fun of me? We are all worried about the result. God says, I didn't ask you to worry about that. You leave the results in my hands. And you, my son or my daughter, you concern yourself with the risk. And then guess what? I'll be with you in that too. But you leave the results for me. There's a, a, someone in my growth group, we have a woman named Sayer, and she told us this story this week about how when she was in uh, a youth worker in Hawaii, she would take the students, the leader asked them to, they would take the students to the mall and they would do um, evangelism and witnessing to strangers. I've done this. Uh, There are a few things in life I would rather have any kind of surgery or dental work instead of, and this is one of them. If you've ever done, if you've everybody ever done this, where you, they, 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 they drop you off at a place, and hopefully it's a place far from home, so you'll never see anybody again, um, and they drop you and go, and they teach you these principles, how to turn a conversation, it doesn't matter, because you get there, and you're just a deer in the headlights, and so you start the conversation, how are you doing? Good, good, yeah, so, Victoria's Secret, huh? I saw you have the bag, it's just, uh, do you know Jesus? Like, how do you change? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> 
So Sayer said she's there and she's with these students, and, uh, middle school students, and, and, and of course, um, one of them's name was Mara, and Sayer's like, I, she didn't want to do this. No one wants to do this. She goes, ah, but we're being obedient, we're doing this thing, and, and it, it, oh, and so they're walking around, and, and Mara, it's her turn, and she gets all excited, and she walks up to this boy about her age, and she goes, do you know where you're going when you die? <laughs> to which he responds, like, are you going to kill me? Like, <laughs> And see, this is the terrifying part about, about cold evangelism. It's terrifying for us to think about going up and talking to somebody. Can you imagine the other side, how terrifying it is? You're just there getting some scented lotion at Body Works, and, or and then you, you go get, I want a flannel from Eddie Bauer, and all of a sudden, do you know where you're going when you die? Oh, like, <laughs> it's terrifying for everybody. So this, so this, so this middle school girl asked this boy, uh, and, and then it goes out. She gets scared, and, and they, they break off the conversation. And Sarah's like, I don't know why we ever did it. And, we, and that's the problem. We, got asked, we don't know why we ever do anything. Well, years later, Mara's getting married. That young girl's getting married. She's, she's grown up. So this is a while later. And some of the youth workers flew back to, to be in the wedding. And they met her fiancé. And as soon as some of the leaders saw the fiancé, the fiancé says, I know you! I know you! You were in the malls talking to people about God. And they're like, yeah, long time ago. I was one of those people you talked to, and I received Jesus there. And the amazing part is this girl, Mara, who was there on the ground, who knows if that was the guy she was talking to. Maybe that was their first date, you know? <laughs> but here's the point. They never asked you, hey, you guys need to really be concerned about the results. The results are their gods. Now, I, we are not going to go do that. Every, every introvert is just, you're sweating thinking about talking to anybody. <laughs> it's okay. We're not, It's okay. We're going to go down a little, we're going to start easier than that, okay? But here's the deal. It's so scary to think about the risk and the results. But you can leave the results to God and you can know he's with you in the risk. And what, so what does it mean that, he, that this all happens? It means that we can be obedient in, that, in those ways. It also means this. If you go out witnessing to somebody, you could marry them in 20 years. You never know. Never know. The fear is crippling, isn't it? The risk in the conversation uh, at work or at home. Oh, work, oh my gosh. Risking a conversation or a comment to somebody about God. <sighs> to family. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, The Spirit of God does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. The message version says this, God doesn't want us to be shy with the gift he's given us, but to be bold. He's actually given you a spirit that does activate as bold if you step into it. It's a new season here at the orchard. It's a new season for us. And perhaps we start off this new season with a new faith. For you, a new courage, a new obedience. It's a new season for you too. See, a Jesus movement works through people like us who want to risk and not worry about the results and the credit, who value faith over safe, who despite their fear, step out in courage, who care more for redemption than their own reputation, who live a life of love and compassionate deeds and who speak the good no news to those who need it. And above all, a people who will love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength and love others as their self. I got an email this week from a lawyer. It's just a scary thing in itself. He didn't, know what I was, he didn't even know what I was preaching. He just, he sent us a letter from John Hammonds, you've heard, he's a, the Louisiana preacher, the Louisiana lawyer who uh, just sounds like molasses coming out of his mouth when he talks. It's just so sweet, you know? 
And so I even read the email in his accent. It's so fun. He's this email about um, all, all that he sees at the orchard. He's in Louisiana changing lives there, but they, their home is up here. And so he comes back and forth. And he just has a heart for God and for people far from God. And he's just talking about all that he wants to see. And at the very end of his email, he puts this. He says, guys, we can do what the majority of churches in America are doing. Just get by hoping that our fire insurance policy is in full force upon our death. Or we can be bold and creative, taking personal and corporate risks with the assurance that we are indeed witnesses of the things and that he will be with us as we go and do his will. He didn't know I was talking about this, but he nailed it. We can keep doing what we're doing. We can just keep doing what we're doing. It'll be fine. But I think and I hope that Orchard, we begin to see that the risk is worth it. I think this area is 96% unchurched. That's either a daunting task or a glorious opportunity, depending on how you look at it. The risk is worth it. The region is worth risking for. Our friends, our family, the marriages, the kids, the legacy, the destinies. I think it's worth our reputation. It's worth taking some risks. It's worth the fear and part of the new things that, we're gonna try new things here as a church too. And part of the, one of the new things we're gonna try is the two services in January. It's a risk, we're gonna take a risk. Now, now, why are we doing two services? Like, come on, one's fine. We're all fine here, right? We could just keep doing this, right? We could. If our good news isn't all that good, we should just keep doing this. But if the gospel of Jesus it's what he said it is. And we start ris risking and believing in him the way he said to, that I don't know if two services en is enough for what God's gonna do. See, we're not, we're not doing two services for us. It's not for you, it's not for me. We're birthing a second service, firstly, because God asked and Charlie refuses to be complacent. He wants the orchard to move ahead. We are literally making room for those who do not go here, here yet. And the empty seats that you will soon see around you more and more will be there for you to fill with your friends and your coworkers and your family. And not only just two services, but we're also taking some other risks. We're going from 90 minutes to 60 minutes. It will be an hour service. Now, for some of you, that's the greatest good news you've heard in the gospel so far. <laughs> you actually just had a little, I, I felt the spirit move. But for some of us, like me, it's a lot of work. Do you know how hard it is to fit eternal truths into 30 minutes? Like in seminary, they teach us to take 10 minutes of content and make it into 45. I didn't get to the upper level class that gets you into 30 minutes. So it's a lot of work. It's, listen, it's gonna stretch our staff to get better and get e efficient and effective. It's, listen, there's gonna be growing pains. You're gonna feel it. You're gonna feel the growing pains. And there's gonna be times where you're like, I don't know if this is a good idea. I don't know if I like this. I wish there was more of this. I was, we're all gonna feel those things as we begin to risk and change. And every time we go through those moments, I just want you to remember, we're not doing this for me. I wish there was more. We're not doing it for you. I wish there was more. Oh, no, no, no. Because I'll be like, I don't wanna preach twice. Oh, it's not for me. I don't wanna work so, it's not for me. It's not for Charlie. This is for the kingdom of God to, to move forward, to push forward and love God and love people and show compassion and show justice and show all the things that make Jesus glorious 
If we are serious about loving God and loving people, we will be more than okay with being uncomfortable in here for the sake of people far from God. If our goal is to be comfortable in this room, there are other churches that might enjoy you more. I don't think I came to to faith to be comfortable in a church. We were called by something glorious and a sacrifice of a savior who gave everything and it's worth our lives. It's worth our risk, both in here and out of there. We do this because it's a glorious calling. Let's be part of a movement. Let's let's take one easy step and the easy step is this. Here's Here's an easy step for you. Do you have a card? Card. We're not gonna ask you to go out and go to the mall and start like witnessing to everybody today. That's, that's next week. <laughs> Listen, honestly, let's, let's, we're gonna take some risk. An easy risk for you guys is an, an invite to Christmas. There's some of these on your seat. If you want more, there's lots more at the door. If there's, if there's seats next to you that are empty, take those, you know. But hand these out, invite people to Christmas. And it's, it seems kind of a small thing, but here's the deal. We've seen it happen, we've seen it work. We've seen God move in these ways where someone comes on Christmas and they hear this message of peace on earth and that God offers some divine peace that is not found in this world. And they come and they check it out. And before you know it, we see that father with his wife and kids here. As the kids are being taught the truths of Jesus in the class, and he and his wife are getting counseling with my dad in, in, in the office, and pretty soon they're in the baptismal, and lives and legacy are changed through the power of Jesus. It's not about giving someone to a Christmas service. It's about starting a movement in someone's heart and praying that God would work in their lives. And so take these, take them, share it on Facebook, invite everyone you can. We had 900 people last year and we were hoping that God just breaks that free. And why do we want more? We want more people to hear the message of Jesus. Remember, this isn't a monument. It's not a trophy. We don't want a lot of people to be proud of. We want a lot of people because we want God to speak to them and move upon them and change this place. So, that's an easy one, an easy one. It's a new season. I hope hope you're starting to feel it. It's a new season here for us. We're gonna move forward in a different way. We have some more announcements to make in the new year that are gonna blow you away too. Yeah, that's right, we're we're not done with the surprises. Door number three has not been opened yet, okay? (laughs) But every time a church changes, this has been proven, every time a church changes, people have the opportunity to buy in again. And so you, as we have a new season, you have the opportunity to buy into this church and say, I'm all in. And I would ask you to consider that. All you all, are you all in here? Is this your place? Is this your church body? Is this your church family? And it could be in the past that you were like, I didn't even know if I was in all in back then. I'm just kind of in every one, you know, eh, yeah. I want you to ask yourself, God, is this where you want me? Do you want to be a part of the movement God's going to do and say, yes, I am all in? in on this movement of loving compassion, of loving people and loving God that the orchard is gonna see happen. I would ask you to rebuy in. And lastly is this. It's not only a new season for us as a church, it is a new season for you as well. And so as I close this, know that you have a fresh start, a fresh season, a fresh opportunity for you to be all that God would desire of you. And so I wanna take us back to a question we've asked often here. It's a new season. What is it he's asked you to do at some point in the past? That the fear was so big you, you would not, could not do it. Might have been decades ago. Might have been months ago. Is there anything God has asked you to do and you have put it off? It's a new season. It's a new season with new courage and new fresh start. Make it today. 
Go talk to someone and say, like, I've been putting this off, but I, I'm in. I want to do this. I need to do this. Maybe it's something God's asked you to put down, and you put that off. It's a new season. It's a new day. New courage. Is it worth the risk? Don't go through another calendar year with just be the same person. Make a new decision. Pick up and do what he would ask you or put down what he's asked you. And maybe some of you, he, he hasn't, you don't know what it is yet. I promise you this, he's going, to, he's going to ask us to be a different kind of people, to be bold and be risky. And, and for each of us, that will look differently. We'll not all look the same. But I want you in your heart of hearts to just have a yes already ready. I wish my son, my four-year-old had this. Like, um, just have a yes ready. So whenever our father asks us something, we just say, yes. I want you to go talk to that person. Yes. I want you to go buy a meal for that person and just tell them God loves them. Yes. Have a yes ready. Live, live that yes. Just always have a yes ready for God because if, if it's an eh, eh, in the eh, it often really quickly turns into a no. Just have a yes ready. Orchard, let's be a church that loves God and loves people. And as we begin to see in this new season that God's gonna move in power, I think we're all gonna be ama- amazed exactly just how big he is and how glorious this movement is. Our prayer for you is that um, today as we go into communion, that you would have some opportunities to make these decisions in a new season. What is it God wants me to do or not do? And as you come and you get the uh, juice and the bread, the symbol of his body and his blood, remember this is an open, open communion. You don't have to go through a class here. This is open for anybody who wants to come and take in remembrance of Jesus and his sacrifice. And you hold in your hands the symbol of his body and the symbol of his blood, which gives us access to the Lord, the greatest God movement of all time, that Jesus did that. And say, Jesus, what would you have of me? I want to give you my yes. What would you have of me? What do you want me to lay down? Put down. Yes. And Orchard, then let's move forward a people committed to a glorious tomorrow. Jesus, we are your first followers and you started a movement of love and compassion that is so glorious and so beautiful. I ask you would help us to be like you, to live like you, to sacrifice like you, to risk like you. I bless the orchard and I pray that you would bless all of us to be people of risk. In Jesus' name, amen.